When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everyone and welcome to the latest episode of Grecian's Gossip. I'm joined by David Byram. Hello. Dan Clark. Hello. And Ollie Heptonstall. Hello. No uh, Jamie with us this week, but we'll uh, we'll press on anyhow. Um, few bits to discuss about uh, the weekend just gone and also events coming up. Um, we thought we'd start off by looking back at the Lincoln City game. Um, one win for Exeter City. David, you were there. Fair results? Um, on balance, probably not actually. If you were going sort of on... Not so much chances created, but uh, sort of passages of play and stuff like that. Even Paul Tizel said he thought Lincoln probably, you know, can come away feeling a little disappointed they didn't get a draw. But, you know, City ground out the win, and that's what really matters. They, you know, they had probably about two or three chances all game, and they took one of them. Lincoln had a, had probably the same amount and just struggled to create anything with all the ball they had. So, to be honest, it, on balance, you know, City probably did edge it. Uh, they didn't edge the play, but you know they they were the ones who were the clinical side, and you know they they can come away happy with the three mm. points. Was it a, a lucky win? Would you say, or is that going a bit far? No, that's that's going a bit far. I'd say I think it's you know that you know deserved the win in a way, ground it out, but um, it's a sort of win you think, well, you know you know you come away thinking, well, we did well to win that in a way, you know, on another day that could have gone a different way, that sort of thing, you know. Which is a, the way City have done all season, really. You know, all, all three games that they they've got points from so far, it has been a case of, you know, you come away thinking, well, that was a strong performance, and you know, they, they sort of the, the strong performance and uh, come away deserving of the points. Mm. Dan, do you uh, did you see the game? Do you think so? Yes, mm. it was a it's a game that I don't think anyone will remember at the end of the season, or possibly even by now. Actually, mm-hmm. it was. It was not a particularly exciting game. It was a game that probably nil-nil would have been a, a fair result because you know, for, you know, neither side really created anything in the game. To be honest, I mean, Exeter's goal—it's one—it's one breakaway. You know, good play from Macklund and slots in Reed, and it's a good finish from him. But you know, looking when you're sort of watching the game and you're sort of thinking. I can't see how either side were going to score a goal because you know, Lincoln, you know, they set up you know, a couple of big men up front, but didn't really ever look threatening or have a route to goal, irrespective of you know how much possession they had at times and the long balls. Well, Exeter, they, you know, the team that was picked, it was very well, obviously with injuries around, it, but it was a very defensive team with essentially, you know. At one stage, sort of playing with six defenders in the in the side, and you know there was it was no attacking impetus at all, and you, you felt you can't couldn't see where the goal was going to come for until it it actually did. But it was it's a good result in the end because you, you know, you've you've got a one 0 win against a, a, a decentish side. I wouldn't have thought there'd be anywhere any kind of relegation danger at the end of the season. They'd be thinking top half. Roughly, and you've won one nil without really playing too well. When you've got, you know, arguably four of your key players who would be 
four of the first names on that team sheet not involved in the side and defensively you kept I mean, you kept them quiet that didn't really create a lot and that's the kind of thing you'll, you'll take away from that that for all Lincoln did they didn't really ever look like scoring and I mean Christy Pym had another good game in goal I think Luke Kroll most definitely his best performance in front of St James's Park fans we've seen he actually you know he looked like the player that I think Paul Tisdale thinks he is in that game Troy Brown again was excellent at the back and you know, that's the thing you'll take away you know that's now two league games at home two one nil wins it might not be as exciting as last year where uh, you know, there were three or four goals every single game but you'll take one nil every single week mm. well Ollie, I was going to ask you I mean David you know, Dan's just mentioned about one nil wins David you're saying it's kind of set been a pattern so far of Exeter City season is that sustainable for Exeter City to, um, be, to be grinding out these kind of um, narrow wins? Or? Well, not in the past. They've always been a team where you know they go one nil up, and you think you know we can't win one nil, so we've got to score another <laughs> goal. People will hit us on the break like they did last year with the what was it Crawley and Doncaster at the start of last season, one nil up, and then they scored, and sooner sooner or later it was it was two one, and we lost. But I think there's a bit more of a defensive mindset to the team this year. We seem more solid. Uh, Luke Kroll was excellent on Saturday, and it was a, as well as Troy Archibald Henville. It was a patched-up team, and they coped really well with with Lincoln's physicality. And if they can keep winning one nil, and winning when they're not playing very well, that's a sign of a team who are going to be right up there at the the end of the season. Mm. Do you think they've learned something perhaps from last season, the experience of last season, and they haven't changed the squad dramatically from that? Do you think that's rubbing um, off on them? I, I hope so. Yeah, certainly defensively, it's good to have defenders who know each other and certainly look, Craig Woodman's been fantastic for for the past season and a bit now and yeah you just need that consistency back there. Pierce Sweeney is more of a defensive fullback than probably Jack Stacey was so I think they work well together and with Troy Archibald Henville in front of that back four it was a really solid solid display. Mm, that was interesting on Troy we haven't, you know, City fans haven't seen a great deal of him since he's re-signed. But yeah, playing for a City and when he does play, playing in a holding midfield role as well. David, what did you make of that? I thought he had a very good game. I, mean, I thought it was brilliant tactics from from Paul Tittle, to be honest. I mean, Dan said they set up defensively. I think it was more to nullify Lincoln's threats. You know, you had uh, Troy Archibald Hemel there, whose main job, although it was, although he did sort of break forward a few times, his main job was just to mark Matt Reed out of the game and it worked a treat. He, he didn't see... Reed doing anything, and well, apart from making an idiot himself with Christy Pitt. <laughs> but um, yeah, he had a really good game. I don't think it was any coincidence that he and Reed went off at the same time. Although uh, Triathlon Hember went off before Reed at the same at the same sort of substitution interval. I think Paul did tell me that Reed was going to go off at that point, so thought, right, we'll, we'll switch it to a 4 4 2 and take uh, Triathlon Hember off. But yeah, he played really well. He was just solid, and you know, you saw a few of the few of the marauding runs that, that he, he can do you know he scored that brilliant goal against Sheffield Wednesday a few years back for, for City where he sort of just broke from the halfway line and took it past three players and uh, it was really good to see him out on the pitch and also I thought Jordan Tilson did well to, to sort of man mark Michael Boswick and, and sort of nullify his threat and yeah I, I thought City sort of did cope with, with Lincoln's threats well and, and you know 
it was I thought it was very tactical for reporters I don't work to treat. Mm. You mentioned um, Reed's antics. Do you want to just in case anyone hasn't <laughs> hasn't seen it? Do you want to remind people? Or... Um, well, just after City scored, actually, yeah, Lincoln won a free kick right on the edge of the box, and uh, their player sort of stood over the ball, and for some reason Matt Reed went and stood in front of the goalkeeper, uh, Christy Pym. And then uh, when the ref told him to move, he moved back to to behind the wall, so still between Christy Pym and the wall, and then started doing this, just started copying him for some reason, and just, you know, being stupid. And, he, I mean, even if the free kick goes in, you look at him and think, you're just being an idiot there. But the free kick went wide, and it just made him look like a complete <laughs> enough to fill it, to be honest. You can, sort, you can sort of see what he's trying to do. He's trying to, you know, Christy Pym's trying to set the wall up, and he's just trying to distract him. He's trying to put him off and, you know, make him set the wall up in the wrong position because he's too busy thinking about, well, what's this guy going to do next in front of me? It's it's a little bit of gamesmanship. I don't think he's probably technically not illegal just to, to mimic the goalkeeper while he's trying to set up a wall. It's it's the kind of thing that, as it ended up, it does look pretty stupid because <laughs> the free kick goes wise. I mean, if, if the free kick goes in the top corner or goes in the back of the net because the wall's not quite in the right place, you... You know, he probably turns away and says, well, you've made, he's made a goal there <laughs> doing it. And I guess he can't get away with it too many times. This, you know, club, people, club might be expecting him <laughs> to to pull out these kind of antics from now on. But It's not the kind of thing that's going to endear him to uh, well, away fans, is it? You, you kind of get the feeling <laughs> away fans are going to be, the fans are going to be on his back anyway. You know, yeah, some of the, uh, the the chance as he left the pitch. We, don't, we we can't mention here on on, on Grishin's gossip. But you know he's going to get that irrespective of it. So he you know may as well play the pantomime villain role and you know see what happens if it you know it makes him if it creates one or two goals for Lincoln over the course of the season. I think that you know their fans will probably will take him looking a little bit stupid yeah. on times. Your take on it, Ollie. I think it was the biggest contribution he made all game. <laughs> in Troy's back pocket for most of it. And yeah, he wasn't the player we saw in the FA Cup run for Lincoln last season. He did really well there, but nothing from him on Saturday at all. Mm. Do you find David's view that was was he down to Troy so having a very good game? Yeah, I think he was fantastic actually. Yeah, he hadn't played for a while. Well, he did play against Charlton in the League Cup. Um, got 90 minutes there, and yeah, it's good to see him back playing football again because he had such a troublesome time with that knee injury and yeah he's a really good player when he's fit so hopefully just the thing just to keep him fit for as long as they can mm, okay well um Dave I know you also had something to say about um Paul Tisdale's comments he, he Tis mentioned after the game that he thought that was probably a game that this time last season they would have lost so um yeah what did you what did you make of that yeah well as uh, I think it was Dan said earlier you know the last season they had those two games where well more than two games like Doncaster and I think Hartlepool as well, where they were 1-0 up and uh, then they let in a goal and um, just went on to lose. And that was a sort of confidence factor as well, I think. And, you know, I completely agree with what Paul I said, that um, they this time last year they probably would have lost that because they conceded in about the 70th minute then conceded a winner in the 75th minute. And, you know, that defensive stability really does bode well that they can grind out these 1-0 wins. And, you know, they, they never looked in real danger of conceding on on Saturday and I, they didn't against Cambridge either to be honest and even against Swindon you know although they did concede that was during a, a probably about a 15 minute period after half time where they, they struggled to cope with Swindon's switch in formation until they changed formation themselves and um, so you know I think it really does bode well that 
they are winning these games at perhaps last season, although they did get to the playoff final as well. Don't forget last season, but um, they're winning these games at last season. They they wouldn't have got all the points from. Mm. Million dollar question, I suppose. You know what that really comes down to? Um, confidence. I think you know. I think this time last season, yeah, players like Pierre Sweeney and Luke Kroll as well, who you know it was their first real taste of sort of prolonged senior football, and you know they they probably. They probably have to get there, get to know their own game as well as get to know other other players in the team's game, and um, also injuries as well. You know, Portis had to change a back four every week, and though he had to do that on Saturday, I think the players now know each other and know their own games, and it has less of an impact when you're doing it now twelve months on, and everyone knows each other. So I think that comes into it as well. You know, players are now aware of their own abilities, their own strengths, and other players' strengths, and they can sort of play to that as well. So uh, I think that's that helps, and um, a big positive is obviously that there's a return of Troy Brown, you know, to fitness. So this time last year he was struggling for fitness. He came back against uh, against uh, Colchester and they won, but he came back too early and uh, was out for about two or three more months, and that was when City was struggling. And you know, I, he he's a real leader at the back, and I think it's no coincidence that they always seem to play well when he's he's on the pitch. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, let's have a listen to what uh, Paul Tisdale said uh, about the, uh, the Lincoln City victory. I'm really pleased because it was a really tough game and we've come through the win. I've, I'm not proud, too proud to, to um, request that the team every now and then just battle and scrap and have a clean sheet and win 1-0 and that's exactly what we did today. So really, really pleased with them and uh, happy that we were not at our best by a long, long way. Um, in terms of selection, in terms of uh, the rhythm of the game, but in terms of the result, well done to them and we And could, you mentioned it there slightly, considering the, the changes you had to make, change of formation as well at the, the back, you know, that, that must be pleasing. Yeah, I mean, I mean they caught us on a good day for them, you know, in terms of you know, John Will Taylor dropped out since the Swindon game, the injury, David Williams dropped out, Ryan Harley's still struggling, you know, and. Um, yeah, we, we, we see them a very different side than they were at the end of May. Uh, we've lost one or two and we've got one or two players. That's three, that's three really key injuries to the team, but they won't go out too long. But um, you just hope as a manager that when you get those days where you're a little bit low on personnel, that the players come in and they're desperate to play and keep saying they're, they're ready, can come in and play. And we didn't have a, a great rhythm about it, you know, there's too many changes in there for me to get the rhythm of the game, but we just played a very pragmatic game, picked the team to, to sort of neutralise what was, you know, I think they were a good side, I think they probably deserved to draw based on the ebb and flow of the game at least, but you know, it's about scoring a goal and we kept it out of the net, and uh, that's probably a game last year, at this time, August, September, we'd have lost 2-1, we'd have conceded a goal and gone and conceded another, today we didn't, it didn't look like it, so I'm really, really proud of it. Mm-hmm. What what's what's the difference then between that sort of performance possibly last season when you could have lost and and this one? We were defensively very solid today and um, combative and robust and we and we didn't have any errors and graces and we weren't we weren't trying to be too clever we just we just worked. Not saying we didn't work hard last year, but we we were solid and we didn't do a great deal wonderfully well, but we didn't do a lot wrong and that's a lot of time that's a key to us. So. Um, they were a good side, and if I come up for confidence, I just won it. So it was going to be a, it was going to be a tough nut to crack, and we did that today. 
one of the players you brought in, Troy Archibald Henville, obviously hasn't had a great time injury-wise since being here. Came in today, he's up against two really kind of different strikers in Matt Reed and Matt Green, who are both experienced at this level. How do you feel he does? Well, he, he was selected for a certain role in the side. We, we wanted some physicality in the side. We had David Wheeler on the pitch and Jordan Taylor. We just felt that the balance could be tipped too far away from the strength that we showed over the last couple of weeks. So. Troy was a good selection in terms of he brought some physicality to the side he played. He played in front of the back four. Um, he did the job he was asked to do for an hour and I'm, I'm, you know, he played well against Charlton a few weeks ago, so he's, the world's beginning to turn again. Um, we have to manage him carefully. But uh, he did a good job and uh, I managed, I looked around and thought, can I pick the smallest three players I've got in the squad to finish the game? <laughs> in the front line so <laughs> so um, yeah it was just a straight you know, which are the three smallest players so we put on Holmes Matt Jay and Jack Sparks and uh, made life very difficult for ourselves in one way but brought something else to the side we brought two two wide players that could take people on and Matt Jay was a, you know, a very bright little player and uh, just on those two specifically, um, Matt Jay and, and Jack Sparks making his home debut today. You know how pleasing is it that you can put these? You know you've got the faith to put these guys in the side when you're holding on to a lead or one nil up. Pleasing for me or pleasing for you? Or pleasing well, support in pleasing general, is it, is it pleasing for you? It's pleasing for me. We, we then go on and get a result. I mean, anybody can put young players in, but you've got to do it and trust them and, and have a degree of faith that they can do what they're asked to do and Jack is strong enough and steely enough to do a defensive job and um, I'm sure it's very pleasing for him to get the chance but uh, as, a, as an exit to City manager it's always part of what I feel we have to do in developing young players and there's no better way than in the, in the cut and thrust of a 1-0 win, 15 minutes to go, come on Jack you need to go on there and do your job for the team defensively and he did it. Just on the, the guys that missed out today, um, how far away are some of them from, from playing? I know you said in the week that um, Jordan Taylor and David Willock may have featured today if they were fit enough. Was that ever? They, 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 they both could have been pushed, but it wasn't really worth pushing them. The, 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 the repercussions of that could be, could, be, could be deep. If you do it with Troy Brown last year at Colchester, we've been doing it in, in for three or four months. So. It's a long season ahead of us. I don't think they'll be too long. And I think Ryan Harley's making very slow recovery. He'll be, he'll be hopefully back soon. Dean Mox is in full training, so we're getting to pick up pace and hopefully the cavalry will be back soon. And just finally, second in the table, um, so it's also a matter of emotion on the cards. So. <laughs> well, it, when we were bottom of the league last year, I kept saying, sometime in October, November, I kept saying, you know, it's about where we finish the end of the year, so forgive me, I will use the same. same uh, description is where we finish after 46 games and uh, we have a we certainly have a focus to do that one game at a time. Well that was Paul Tisdale there talking about the uh, Saturday's win over Lincoln City. Um, let's turn our attentions to this weekend's game, Cheltenham Town away. Um, Dan, putting it bluntly, is this a game which City ought to be looking for all three points from? You'd think so because you know if you look at it where you'd be thinking Cheltenham would finish, where you'd think Exeter City would finish. You'd be thinking Exeter playoffs minimum, Cheltenham, you know, you look at their squad, is it going to be top half? Probably not. And you just think that's a game that, you know, Exeter made a good start to the season, just, you know, they've got a bit of momentum. 
you know, it's a very winnable fixture that, you know, it'll just keep things going. I mean, it's the, I think, man for man, probably of the better side. You know, they finished higher last season. They, you know, they won, I think they, they won away at Cheltenham last year. It's a ground they've, you know, they've won at in the past. And they've, you know, they did have a horrible record against Cheltenham for a while, but they seem to have turned that, that around with a few wins in a row. And, I mean, obviously, you know, particularly if some of the, the players who missed the Lincoln game with injury can come back are fully fit. It can only add to the, you know, to the side, and you'd probably go in there thinking you'd want three points. You'd just about take you'd just about take a point, I guess. But it's a game that City can and probably should win. Mm. Ollie, how can you see that one panning out? Yeah, I think Cheltenham are one of the weaker sides. With all due respect to them in the division. Um, struggled last season went up from the conference as I think it was a champions wasn't it and yeah struggled to kick on last season very nearly went down again so yeah City have got a good record there as Dan was saying good 3-1 win there last season so I think they'll be expecting to get three points from that one yeah mm. I suppose they're chatting they also yeah. they have got their game this week they're playing West Ham in the, in the cup yeah. as well so they might have had half an eye on that they're not going to have had a full week of rest which the Exeter City players will have had and they might not be quite as sharp as well obviously depending on on how that that game goes and maybe a few celebrations or in order as well but you know it's a game that you'd probably get go city to win and you'd you'd fancy them to get the win as well mm. david do you know that uh, i mentioned about some players potentially coming back do you any news on the injury front for city um, well, Paul Sizzell said last week that uh, he thought, well, at the weekend, that he thought um, both Jordan Morteo and David Wheeler could have played through their injuries on, on Saturday if, if they had to. But uh, by the sounds of it, David Wheeler will probably miss uh, miss Saturday through injury. But uh, as far as I know, Jordan Morteo should be back. Ryan Harley's probably a little way off yet. Uh, but Dean Moxie is in full training, so I think it's only a matter of time before we see him. Probably on the bench to begin with, you know, he's not, not kicked the ball for City yet since his return. So uh, he'll probably start on the bench, and uh, but I don't see why uh, Jordan Morteo is in return. Mm. A prediction? Uh, I reckon another 3 1 to City. Mm-hmm. Ollie? I think we'll go for a 3 2 City win. You done? 2 0 City. 2 0, I'm pretty, uh, pretty, uh, pretty confident. Mm-hmm. Well, let's uh, have a listen to what Paul Tisdale says about the, uh, the Cheltenham game coming up. Cheltenham on, on on Saturday. What are you expecting from from them?
um, I'd imagine everyone's in a positive mindset. Yeah, and I think Gary Johnson's team will be will be full of energy and very determined. Um, you know, you'll get the best out of this player. So I just think it will be another game with which we have to do the basics well and develop our performance from there. Um, you know, so we played the one and row last year on the square. A difficult day. It was the winter and December time, I think. The conditions weren't great. We'll be going there under better conditions this year. Um, but I want the same kind of same kind of competitive performance that we had on that day, which was tough and um, so uh, robust in our in our minds. And uh, I suppose it's a bit like Swindon. It's uh, another localish game for for fans to get to. I mean, I, I remember you mentioned last season. I remember they they packed out the away end last season. Yeah, I'd, I'd hope we take a we'll take a good number. I mean, it's a, it's, it's yeah, it's a, it's a it's a sort of sort of distance as a team. We don't travel up, we don't travel overnight to Cheltenham. Um, it's sort of distance we can travel on the day, albeit all the Saturday traffic is. You know, not to be relied on. So, um, we'll still have an early start just to make sure we avoid traffic. Uh, but I'd imagine we'll have plenty of supporters there. I hope we do. Um, our, you know, our contingent last year created a great atmosphere. I'm hoping for them again. There we go. That was Paul Tisdale looking ahead to the Cheltenham game. Um, a few questions that we've had from um, from people on our Twitter. Um, Exeter City Pod, Wheeler, going or staying? If we do decide to sell, who's going to replace him? Now, this is one that's caught a bit of debate, well, in our office at least, if not uh, out among City fans as well. Um, David, what are you thinking? How do you see it? Uh, I think that there is a little movement there. Uh, there's interest from clubs which supported our sale along. And, uh, you know, I, I think at this point in time, it's, it might be looking more likely that he's leaving than he's staying. But it's just it's just something Paul Tizard said to me in the week. You don't know something's done until it's done. So <laughs> that wasn't that wasn't talking about David Wheeler. Though. That was just talking about transfers in general. But um, in in that respect, you can't really say for certain either way. But um, at, at this present time, uh, you know there were a lot of rumours about him leaving as well. And I think it probably looks on balance that he could be off. But you just don't know till it happens. Mm. Dan, that's one of those moves which a couple of weeks ago it looked like Wheeler would, was a pretty much a dead cert yeah. to be still at St James's Park, but it seems to have gathered some traction, doesn't it? You sort of felt like, a bit like the you know, the Ollie Watkins deal that you know clubs well they, they had known about David Wheeler, they knew what he was about, and if they you know if someone really wanted him, they'd have come in over the summer a bit like they did with or Brentford did with Watkins, you know got. Got this. Got the deal done. He's put started. You know, started initially on the bench. He's forced his way into the team through his performances, and you know, become a, a fixture in that Brentford lineup already. But you sort of felt well with Wheeler, no one really came in with a serious bid, suggesting perhaps you know, he wasn't first choice for anyone. Now, obviously. A few clubs looking around and thinking, well, they've not made the start to the season they wanted. Maybe picked up a few injuries and you know, going, you know, having to. It's not quite a panic buy, so to speak, but you know, it's the kind of deal that 
particularly given you know, the way we've seen David Wheeler you know, play and the fact that you've got to almost play to his strengths in that, you know, those long balls out to him on the right-hand side for him to, to link up with the, with the strikers, link up with the forwards, and get a relationship with that with his full-back because he, you know, although he's playing often on the right wing, he doesn't play a sort of traditional right winger in that he gets the ball and you know, tries to beat, run past his man. He doesn't seem to be doing that anymore. So you'd thought of a club was really wanted him there to come in earlier, given him a pre-season so they can they can work out exactly you know how best to fit him in the lineup. I mean, there is a few clubs you know, being rumoured that are interested in Wheelie. You can sort of see, you know, particularly the amount of goals he got last season that. You know, clubs at League One, bottom half of the Championship, perhaps would be interested in him, and you know, it's, I suppose it depends on the price that they they're going to want to pay for him. Because you know, if, you, if you're getting sort of half a million to a million ish, you know, it's it's good. It's you know, it's good money for for Exeter City, but Exeter then can't go out and, and spend half a million pounds on a replacement because you know, that's not in the price range Exeter are shopping for. They haven't got the attraction, and I guess you know the club. I think might be thinking, you know, a bid can come in. You know, do they accept it? Do they not accept it? How much do they want? And what kind of you know backup plan have they got? Because we sort of we've sort of seen a little bit without David Wheeler this season that you know, he was the easy out ball. You know, launch it long to him. He'll win a win that header against the left back and either flick it on to one of the strikers or control the ball and. Gets extra up the pitch. They haven't had that in the last couple of games. You know, you know, Jay Taylor out on the right hand side, but he's not winning the headers. He's not going to hold the ball up as well. And almost, you know, Portista will have to to go back and have a, have a rethink, perhaps, you know, how he wants his side to play without Wheeler because it's it's a different side. I mean, you could you could play Simpson or Brunton out there on that sort of in that role purely to replicate the, the physical presence and the aerial presence but they're different players to David Wheeler as well so obviously depending on the price you might want to keep hold of him unless there is a, a viable alternative in the squad and there isn't a like for like player either you know, on Exos books at the minute or anyone you can obviously think well they're available they could come in and be his replacement mm. um Ollie, in terms of, you know, David and I were talking before, uh, yesterday about just how big a miss Wheeler would be, and I think everyone seems to pretty much agree that he's a very, very good player and a very important player for City. I mean, how how big a loss do you think? I mean, would he arguably be a bigger loss than Watkins? Do you think? I think it probably would actually. Yeah, the way we play with those diagonal balls to Wheeler, he is a massive player, and you know, Watkins was a very good player for us, but he he was more of a luxury player, I'd say. David Wheeler's integral to what Paul Tisdale wants to do. And yeah, it's difficult to replace him on that right wing. We saw Jake Taylor there a bit on Saturday. It wasn't that successful there. And of course, you've got Jack Sparks, who may maybe his replacement, but you feel it might be a bit too soon for him. So certainly decisions to be made by the club. Um, they've said in the past that they won't stand in anyone's way if they want to leave. So I, I suppose it's up to David Wheeler and the club just have to make sure they get as much money as they can for him. Mm. And David, in terms of clubs being linked to them. I mean, QPR seems to be the sort of the name that keeps on cropping up. I mean, what do you think that's, that really says about Wheeler in terms of the calibre of player and you know the club 
he's on as he's caught really I think it, well, it says a lot about Wheeler as a, as a player that you know you, you look at these these sort of players who they move to championship clubs and that sort of thing and they're perhaps a little uh, a little younger than Wheeler he's obviously 26 now but I think it shows how well he sort of developed as a player and how how good he was last season that he, I mean the championship clubs are apparently looking at him I mean I'm, I'm not sure if it is QPR or what but that does seem to be the a sort of rumour at the moment, which is is great. Him, so I think it's the first time he has been late for the championship club, and you know I think it. I mean, even if he does go, I think it. You know, it reflects well on City that they bought this player from non-league football, and uh, you know, being able to, to sort of develop his game to the point where he's now viewed as being a, a player that championship clubs are being linked to. Mm. Okay. Well, we've um, had some more questions come in. So uh, again, on subjects of transfers. Um, are you surprised Jordan Taylor and Troy Brown haven't been linked to high league teams? I mean, David, again, how do you, how do you see that? Are you surprised at all? That? Um, Troy Brown, not really. Uh, I think if a club were going to go for him, I think it would be on a, a free transfer, to be honest. Because he's, he's one of those unglamorous players in a way. You know, he's not going to be a ball-playing centre-half or anything like that. He just he just puts his body on the line for everything. And uh, he's, he's not the youngest of players, to be honest. I mean, he's, he's not a veteran by any stretch, but, you know... I think a lot of I think Paul Tizard has done a brilliant job with, with Troy Brown to be honest you know he's been one of the best players of the past couple of years and uh, he could do a job at a high level don't get me wrong but I'm not sure he's a sort of age or position where a club would really want to invest too much money into really and uh, um, you know his injuries can sometimes be a bit of a be a bit of a issue not massively but he did miss some, some games last season uh, Jordan Moore Taylor, I think as uh, as Paul Tizard said, if he was a, if he had a foreign name, he'd be playing in the championship <laughs> because he's one of those ball playing midfielders. And uh, the only thing is, as as he, I mean, I agree again with Paul Tizard here. He's uh, you know he's not the tallest and he's not the most physical. He's not that sort of Troy Brown style of, of that sort of physical defender. And uh, so I think a lot of clubs sort of view him, see him as English, and think. Oh no! I want someone who's big and solid in his English. Give me a Spanish ball playing centre half, because that's not that's not Jordan Mortaro's game. So I think um, I think you know we could see him make a step up one day. But I I'm a little surprised that he he hasn't really attracted any interest at all. To be honest, I I don't think he'll leave in this window. Like, there's there's been no talk of him leaving. But uh, you know I think he could easily go on and play at a high level. He's he's still quite young, so he's going to improve. I think the only question mark with him is a little around his pace, but uh, he does he's very good at positioning himself to to read the play and then win balls and I I think him and Troy Brown do complement each other very well as centre backs as well. Mm. Okay. Well just finally we've also had one from um, JJ, well apologies, that was Liam Windsor who submitted that last question. I'll give him a quick uh, name check. But finally JJ asked um, do clubs the clubs have some silver polish in the store cupboard for the League Two trophy, which is on its way in April slash May? <laughs> Daniel smirking there. Well, so it's, it's a little bit. It's a bit early to you know talking about the the trophy, but you kind of think the, you know the club might, if they haven't got some already, sort of be thinking about <laughs> thinking about getting an order in. I mean, you know, if you look at you know, the way the way they've started, you know, second on goal difference at the moment, you know. Lost in a playoff final last season, you you sort of be thinking, yeah, yeah the club, the club would be thinking, we, yeah, we, we can we can go up, we can you know, get promoted, we can win that trophy, and 
I don't think we've seen anything in League Two so far this season that suggests City shouldn't be up there, you know, competing for that the trophy at the end of the season. I mean, Mansfield were hotly tipped at the start of the season based on the you know, absurd number of transfers that they they made, but they've not really got off to the best start. They've struggled a little bit. It doesn't look as if they are going to run away with the division as some pundits you know, may have suggested. I mean, Luton, they had you know, a great win on the first day of the season, you know, getting putting eight party over and then followed that up by losing the following week. So they you know, would be the other side you'd look at and go, they should be up there as well. But you know, Coventry and Swindon have made decent starts as well as you'd perhaps expect from a couple of the bigger clubs. But there isn't anyone you you look at and you say, well, really don't want to play them. I don't, you know, there's no one to be afraid of, just based on how the first, you know, all those three games. But the first three games have gone. You know, you put Exeter City in that top four or five clubs who are looking like the best in the division, particularly given the players extra have got to come back as well, that, I mean, it's very early things, you know, it's still August, you know, to be talking about the trophy, but, you know, it wouldn't be, you know, a huge surprise at this stage that Exeter City were promoted at, this, the, at the season and they did get some kind of silverware to to put in the, in the trophy cabinet, even if it, you know, even if it is just the playoff trophy final. Ollie, which one are you after the playoff trophy final, or do you want the uh, big one? I think you want the big one, don't you? Yeah, <laughs> I think the City will fancy their chances after the start they've had. They were playing catch up, really, weren't they, last season with all those injuries they had, and did well to get to the playoff final. But yeah, I think as Dan was saying, there's not many great teams in the division this year. I think the best three went up last year, and you'd have to say Mansfield, and and Luton, Swindon, and and Coventry would be the ones who I'd probably fancy to challenge City, but. Yeah, I think they'll they'll uh, certainly look to get the polish out. They they must already have some because of the uh, conference playoff <laughs> trophy that they have lying around somewhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah, maybe it's been lost in the Granbury development somewhere. <laughs> it's misplaced or whatever. But, uh, well, we'll um, we'll wait and see. We'll um, see how that one pans out. But brilliant. Thanks very much for for joining us. Anyhow, and um, yeah, I hope you'll tune in again for another edition of Grecian's Gossip. Grecian's Gossip. Grecian's Gossip. Grecian's Gossip.